Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 671 of the Juicebox podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Preet. Her daughter, Nora, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes not too long ago. And they have an interesting living situation where sometimes Nora is with her grandparents for long periods of time while Preet travels for business. This episode is going to give you a good look into what it's like to raise a child with type 1 diabetes in India. It's actually very interesting. You're going to like it. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice medical or otherwise, always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes, they begin at episode 210 in your podcast player, or they can be found at diabetesprotip.com and juiceboxpodcast.com. As a matter of fact, if you join the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, and go up to the top to the Featured tab, there's lists of all the different series for you to look at and use and keep for yourself if you like. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Learn more about what they're doing at touchedbytype1.org or on their Facebook and Instagram pages. It's a great organization doing wonderful things for people living with type 1 diabetes, and they would just like it if you take a moment to find out more about them. Touchedbytype1.org. If you'd like to help people living with type 1 diabetes and you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, you can help by taking the brief survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Take you fewer than 10 minutes. It will support people with type 1. It will support the podcast. It is very worth your time. I hope you're able to do it. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for having me here. My name is Preet. I am a parent to type 1 diabetic daughter who was diagnosed last year uh, in in middle of COVID. um, And we are based in India. What's your daughter's name? Are we sharing it today? My daughter's name is Noor. How old is she? So she's seven right now. Uh, when she was diagnosed, she was six years old. Six. Any um, indication that something like this would be happening or did it come out of nowhere? No, actually. So this was, this is the first ever case in our family. Mm-hmm. Overall, uh, we have we had no idea about this, but somehow we could observe some symptoms. So before uh, she, we actually thought there's something wrong with her. Since past two past two months, we could see her. She not gaining weight, turning skinnier, and um, she would um, go to pee frequently, drink a lot of water. So she has she has not been someone who really likes to eat a lot, and she would just always be hungry so that is when we realized that maybe something is not right with her and we have a a normal uh, sugar testing kit at her home because my mom she recently got diagnosed with type 2 uh, uh, because of her age and um, we had that kit so 
when we when we checked her fasting sugar in the morning it was 269 no. and uh, we had to contact her pediatrician and from there on it was like hospital visits admitted to hospital and all it's interesting of all the signs her hunger was the one that that kind of made you the the most like ooh there's something wrong here because she just was never hungry prior to that yeah, she was a very foodie. So she would just have basic food and that's it. And this time she would ask us to cook some specific things. She would have these bad cravings. And when she would eat them, she would be like, wow, this is so tasty, yummy. And, you know, <laughs> she would start kissing hands of her uh, grandma. I-, I live with my parents. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, wow, you have you have made such a tasty food. So everything was a bit weird, but definitely she was turning skinnier and uh, she was peeing a lot, right? She even started bed- bedwetting uh, in, in the last few days. I see. Where were you in, where were you when this happened in India? Yeah, so that's, I think uh, that's a big part of this whole story. I was not in India at that time. So I traveled for work Mm -hmm. and I was in the North American region at that time. And I was supposed to fly back in March last year. And suddenly this whole COVID thing happened and all the flight just, flights got stopped totally and I couldn't fly in and at that time it was like okay the situation is really bad and it will improve in in a month or so so let me fly back let me come back then and this sort of stretched till July so she was diagnosed in July and I sort of felt all of this when I used to spend time on video calls with her so she would drink water and then she would go to pee. She would eat in front of me. And that's why I, I, I asked my parents that there's something wrong with her and it's not normal. And apparently just a day before, and it was such a sheer coincidence, I was watching a documentary of Nick Jonas. And there exactly they highlighted these symptoms after which he was diagnosed with type one. And I was like, this is exactly what Noor is going through. So I asked my parents to just check her sugar level when she wakes up in the morning next day. This all happened while I was sitting here and totally helpless, totally restless, couldn't do anything. No kidding. For So how long had you been away from her when you started realizing what was happening? So I was away for her three three to four months um and that is when we realized that something is wrong is that your average travel time for work or was this because of covid specifically yeah this happened specifically because of covid otherwise i'm I'm maximum traveling for two months and then going back to her yeah i see does um did she have covid or did anyone in the family have it so that's the thing. So no. So my uh, my parents were overly cautious because they both are old, mm-hmm. and then they had a child to manage all by themselves. So they were very cautious, and they didn't contract COVID either of them. From from what we know, you know, we never yeah. know that we must have and we might have. But after she got detected, and you know, in India, when recently when there was second strain and everyone was dying. That is when everyone in my family contracted COVID. Oh, okay. And yeah. so your parents have had it since then? Uh, or no? 
uh, COVID. Yeah, COVID, like in the second kind of wave, did, did they had it then? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in second wave, uh, Scott, it, it has been so bad that every Indian, they have lost someone who is really close, not someone, many people. So we were literally people were dying. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that, I came to know that my, even my, my parents, my daughter, all of them have been tested positive. So it was very stressful. And again, I, I was not with them. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, are vaccines available there at this point? So, yeah. So for COVID, um, my father got fully vaccinated and my mom, so when they got COVID, they were not vaccinated at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But afterwards, uh, my mom and my family, yeah, they they all got uh, um, the vaccine. Gotcha. Wow. That's, um, that's it must be insanely scary. I mean, I remember the news stories from that moment out of India were horrifying. Uh, my daughter has a close friend who has family in India, and that's all they talked about for quite some time. Um, and then on top of that, you're not there. Yeah, it was horrifying. So, so what happened was when she got detected, at that time, we had some evacuation flights from India being sent here. Mm-hmm. And I tried to jump on the earliest one, but still I had to wrap things here. And it, the flight which I got was two weeks later. Mm. And I went back. and But unfortunately, I had to quarantine in a hotel facility there. I couldn't be with my daughter. Yeah. And she had just got discharged from ICU. Um, she was just out of the hospital and only my parents looking after them in middle of COVID being admitted in the hospital. That was really scary. And I tried to, so they had some exemption that you can quarantine at home if there is some emergency, but the officials there, they just couldn't understand that type one was serious and they just considered it like a basic diabetes. And I was just making an excuse too skip the quarantine but all I wanted was to be in front of my daughter she just wanted to see me because she was going through all of that and yeah Yeah. she had been she had been really brave but she still wanted to see me that's a natural instinct of a child no of course how did she tolerate COVID how long did it take it to clear and and what were were the impacts for yeah so luckily enough um first of all I mean I was really horrified that she got COVID because from what we were hearing that these people who have any kind of weaker condition, they are hit really hard, hit really bad. Uh, But somehow it was just like a basic uh, flu for her. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were still waiting. But but her pediatrician was quick enough to start the right antibiotics and the supplements for her immediately, even before uh, we could get the test results back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, luckily it was just like a basic flu. Good. Yeah. What 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 were they using at that time when you when like what did they give her? Oh, I don't remember that uh, those um and anti uh, biotics on yeah. top of my head. Sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. That's interesting. And your parents are okay as well. Oh yeah. So um yeah, they are okay now. My mom has become really weak after this whole thing. Uh, she had the biggest and deepest impact, but yeah, the every, they're, they're all okay now. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's okay. 
that's a big year. <laughs> that's a big year. Yeah. And then in middle of that, I went there. Um, I took over. So my parents were caring. So my, my father is the primary carer for her along with me mm-hmm. since I travel. Um, so they started with a proper injection, uh, giving her insulin. The doctor trained my father. And then they started understanding at that age on how to manage it. And what happens in India or maybe similar countries, we were never sent to a workshop or an education session. Mm -hmm. We were just discharged with a chart. If this is the sugar, this is what you have to give. If this is this reading, this is what you have to give without a CGM. Um, and finger pricking all the time, uh, and it 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 was a nightmare to yeah. be honest. It it I, I can't even imagine how bad it was. My parents couldn't sleep for weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, what kind of insulin did they give her? Okay, so uh, since she's on MDIs, um, we take two insulin. So the one which is the basal is is Besaglar, mm-hmm. and the fast acting is Fiasp. Okay. Oh, great. And. And so they just send you home with the insulin. Do you get you get a meter, I imagine, but is there much else after that? No, so there is just this chart and they would just send you that if this is the reading, just check three times a day. And if this is the reading, this is what you do. Okay. And after that, it's all catch up game. My parents trying to call doctor all the time. Sometimes the doctor would answer. Sometimes the doctor is busy at night. She's touching 300, but they have already given what they were supposed to give. Now they have no idea what to do. Doctor won't pick up the call. It was really, really bad. Yeah. The, um, I know, I actually know from the podcast because of people contacting me that um, Indian food can be really difficult to bolus for as well. So on top of all that, classic foods that you're eating every day are are not easy. Is that your finding as well? So uh, basically, when she was admitted in the hospital, she was served like a proper Indian meal. So we couldn't we couldn't uh, see any difference that since she has been diagnosed, her diet has been changed. So what the first thing which doctor told us before discharging her was. Just make sure you are giving her sufficient food. Uh, don't try to change her diet. We have to manage it with what she had. I mean, what what is our regular food? But yes, uh, it is it is difficult to uh, decide the right dose with Indian uh, meals. But since now it has been some time, a while, we, we have sort of figured it out. Okay. And again, my daughter, since she's not a foodie foodie, she has a very good portion control. So if it's portion controlled, it's still be- it's still better. Okay. Oh, that's um, that's great. And so her, her eating habits went back to where they were before her diagnosis. <laughs> okay. So yeah, with normal food it is, but still she like, like a crazy uh, person who has never eaten in days if she gets street food. And those kind of things, burger and all, she would just eat like. So initially, she didn't crave with all these things. So we had not been even going a lot to McDonald's and because she stays with my parents, right? So mm-hmm. my parents do not eat all of that. So her eating habits were very healthy, home-cooked, fresh food. And now since she diagnosed this, she craves to eat these things more. Wow. But with the normal food, her, her diet is normal, back to what it was before. And you guys aren't vegetarians? 
Uh, no, we are not vegetarians, but uh, we in India generally non-vegetarians do not cook non-vegetarian every day. Okay. So it's like uh, once, but now since she has been diagnosed, what we have uh, found out making a chicken curry uh, um, doesn't spike her. So a chicken curry with a normal, uh, you know, roti, which is which you call as naan bread, a wheat roti, mm-hmm. doesn't spike her, and we can bolus her well. So you've learned a lot in a short amount of time. So you you have more technology now than what they started you with. Take a moment to go to touchedbytype1.org to see what they're all about. Simply speaking, their mission is to elevate awareness of type 1 diabetes, raise funds to find a cure, and inspire those with diabetes to thrive. They have wonderful programs and services for people with type 1, and they put on an amazing conference, which is going to be back this year, and I'm going to speak at it. Check them out at touchedbytype1.org. I don't think you can get tickets to the conference yet but it's coming. Check out their programs tabs. Find out about their awareness campaign, their bowl for a cause, their dance program, dancing for diabetes, the D-Box. They just put on a beautiful golf outing. And of course, that annual conference is coming up sometime this summer in 2022. I'm going to be doing the talkie talking again. Take that, COVID. I'm getting on a plane. Touched by type1.org. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. I'd also like to remind you to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Join the registry, fill out the survey. The whole thing takes fewer than 10 minutes. You'll be doing a great service for people with type 1 diabetes, and you'll be supporting the juice box podcast. It really only does take a few minutes. The questions are incredibly easy. Um, The whole thing's HIPAA compliant. It's absolutely anonymous, and it may lead to opportunities for you to do other things if you want. Other things, you know, in the world of, let me think of an example. Oh, somebody from the podcast once got to be in a trial for Dexcom adhesives. They was a thing they got paid for. That could happen to you. You never know. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. And if you don't want to do other stuff, you don't have to. Doing the survey is doing a lot. Couple last things. Don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. And if you're listening to the show in a podcast app, please follow and subscribe. Uh, Apple Podcast app asks you to follow. I think in other apps, they may say subscribe, but whether it's follow or subscribe, please do that in the app you're listening in. It helps the show a great deal. And if you're not listening in an app, it's mm, how the kids do it. If you need apps, they should be free. And you can find a bunch of them at the top of juiceboxpodcast.com if you're having trouble locating them, if you're listening online or something like that. But you should be able to listen to Apple Music, Spotify, all kinds of places, anywhere you get audio. All right, we're going to get back to Preet now. Thanks for listening to all of this little chit chat and for supporting the sponsors. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Touch by Type 1 and all the sponsors. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. So, so that, that's the part of the progression. So we were discharged with the, these injection needles and then Fiasp and Besaglar bottles. 
and my mom real my mom just uh, remembered that she so my mom uh, she has been a teacher throughout her life um at that time she was not working because of covid but she remembered she recalled she had one of her colleagues who used to talk about her son having type 1 and she immediately contacted with her and to be honest scott she has been our savior during that time when we were totally clueless on what we have been thrown into and just a chat and doctor not picking up your call and she asked us to switch to mdi first of all then the normal needle siren injection and we switched to the mdi and then we could call her day and night and she was like i was in the same situation when my uh, son got diagnosed just call me anytime so we would call her at 3 am at night we would call her at 4 5 she would call back to check and she was the one who was guiding us uh, through through this that's excellent that's really lucky actually to find somebody like that we were absolutely lucky she was got sent and even till today we we can't thank her enough uh, for that i'm sorry That's about okay. this is your hotel on fire <laughs> <laughs> sorry just a minute. no we'll wait it's a fire alarm test i had no idea to do it today <laughs> it's fine don't worry about it oh my gosh kind of funny i haven't had one of these before <laughs> You know, I was just looking um during that little break and uh India is for downloads for the podcast in that region of the world, India has more downloads than any other country. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, in that in that region like in China, um Saudi okay. Arabia Saudi Arabia is pretty close to India. Uh but wow. but in all that Turkey, Iran, all that place where people still listen to the show. oddly thailand um but india's got the most downloads of all those places so yeah yeah i think it's it's also because of the bandwidth issue so so i download all your podcasts when i'm connected to my wifi and when i used to walk or run i used to just listen to them oh you're taking credit for most of them you're saying there's more than you think <laughs> <laughs> i i'm so glad because i had been promoting them so how i got introduced to the podcast i had no idea right. anything like that existed and i was just looking for to join any facebook group feeling totally helpless what to do and then i came across this diabetes support india group mm-hmm. uh i joined that and someone in the comments mentioned about this podcast. Oh wow. That's great. And I just immediately jumped on and then from there it was like back to back listening to the podcast and we could figure it out a lot and you know how to be bold with insulin has really helped us with Indian diet and a growing child to be honest. That has been a savior for us. Oh, I'm glad. That's it's amazing to me. I mean just as I'm sitting here looking at this map and I can kind of run my run my mouse over, you know, every individual country to see the downloads in places I just never imagined anybody would ever find out about it. It's uh it's Yeah. Really um I mean, when I started listening to your podcast, you used to talk about pumps and CGMs and Dexcom and I used to feel like an alien that, you know, I'm living in a primitive world. Right. and we have a world which has totally moved on and we are not using any of that for our kids um 
Preet, hold, no, on. No, no. hold on one yeah. second. Since the alarm went off last time, your voice modulated weird through the microphone. I want to see if you just stopping talking for a second. We'll bring it back. So sure. it did. Um, so you're saying you don't. So what technology do you have right now? So what happened was that <clears throat> when I started listening to your podcast. Oh, Sorry. that's so funny. We can hold on a second. Let it wait. <laughs> Great, it, it's concluded. <laughs> it's nice of them to do it at <laughs> nine, nine o'clock in the morning. Maybe they could. I had no idea that they didn't do that before. Yeah. Suddenly, they decided to. You, you would think the middle of the day would be a better time, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But go, okay, but, so it's yeah, over now. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah. So what I was saying was that when I used to hear, listen to you, um, I CGM talking about pumps, you used to talk a lot about Dexcom, and I had no idea what is this Dexcom. Um, I started reading about it, um, and then I realized that this CGM is a continuous glucose monitoring device and which can make our lives really easier because I used to, I used to be so anxious with Noor that I would just prick her literally sometimes every hour. Mm-hmm um she's playing and and so before that i I just want to highlight one thing so what happened within a week when she got discharged she started honeymooning so she went into her honeymoon Mm -hmm. period and we had this doctor who had given a chart with very high insulin doses and then she would start getting low and that is when we realized and that um, <clears throat> our friend told us that being low is at a worse risk than the high. Mm-hmm. And just don't let her do that. Sorry, I, I just. <clears throat> Sorry. No, get some yeah. water. You're fine. So, So you started thinking. Okay, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna pick one, we're gonna pick higher than lower. Yeah. yeah. So one thing which doctor said that as soon as she hits ninety or eighty, just mix. So we have something called um, commercial glucose powder, which comes in the market. Mm-hmm. So just keep that, uh, mix it in water, and give her three tablespoons of that. Okay. Anytime she hits that. So what I used to see was when I landed, I found that as soon as she would be 80, my both parents will just panic Mm -hmm. as if she's going to faint and they would mix so much of glucose and give her and then she will go really high. Uh, It was a very bad panic situation that her brain is not receiving signals that's what they used to say, and she's going to get in. And they, it was, they were really scared. Yeah. Um, and so what happened was, so she went honeymooning, and as a result, I had to prick her multiple times because she would just easily touch 50 in an hour. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. It, it was a nightmare, and she was a very active kid. Um, we have just given her something while playing, and she is totally asymptomatic when she's low. She has no idea she has gone low and I would be sitting there while she's playing, call her, wash her hands, prick it. So that was our routine and whole night also we used to do like that just because she had started honeymooning. Right. 
How old are your parents? So my parents are around 65 and 70. Okay. And they had been doing all this, like going back and forth, ICU, staying with her, getting trained on this and managing all this all by themselves and learning all this all by themselves and then reaching out to people to understand how to manage it. And then when I landed, I just, I just tried to understand this better so that we can make our lives easier because it was not at all sustainable. It was so stressful for all of us. Right. Um, and then I came across your podcast and I came across CGM. Now, apparently, by that time, we were uh, part of an NGO uh, who were providing some education and some um, uh, education around type 1 diabetes. So we were part of that WhatsApp group. Again, they were not, the educators were not very easily accessible. But in the group, you could get some suggestions. So when I asked about CGM, uh, with the parents whose, who, whose kids were already diagnosed since few years. The educators had their kids who had been diagnosed since 16 years. None of them recommended me to use a CGM. They were anti-technology. Okay. That something which is always touching your skin, it is not good, uh, many things. And at that time, we just had one version of Freestyle Libre, mm-hmm. uh, which was... Uh, with the reader and it would just show us graphs right um and we didn't had that the, the flash version in which i could get the immediate reading at the same time I see. and whomever i asked they all were saying that this can lead to infection this can do that this can do that but i took a decision after listening to the podcast that you know what everyone there is using this And if this is available, I will give it a shot, even if I have to throw it later on. I really want to try this. And luckily in November, so she was diagnosed in end of July. And in November, they launched the latest, um, I mean, the upgraded version of Freestyle Libre, which came with the reader. Mm -hmm. And I could get uh, the real-time reading. And I I just said I I wanted this. So we just went and uh, we purchased this. Now... Now, now I realize that the reason people are not very open to adopting technology there because there is no concept of medical insurance uh, which covers everything yeah. uh, for the people in India. So um, nothing is covered. Uh, no insulin cost is covered. Uh, no um, CGM is covered. Pump is, of course, not covered. So everything we are paying out of pocket and everyone cannot afford it. So just to give you an example, and I tried to convert it in USD uh, for you and, and the listeners is that I'm we are spending close to 132 USD um, every month just for the CGM. Okay. $132. Exactly. $132 right. US dollars. Can, yeah. Can, can you give um, some perspective on what percentage of someone's income on average would that be? <laughs> okay. So, um, so this is close to um, 10,000 Indian rupees. Okay. And in India, generally, uh, uh, an average household income is close to 15,000. A month. Yeah, okay. a month. 
and this is ten thousand a month which we have to spend. Yeah, and. Uh, even if you are earning close to thirty thousand, people don't prefer spending money on this because just to monitor it um, real time. So, even people who are earning a bit okay, I've seen them going on holidays and spending money, but not spending on this. So, there is a huge cost and pricing concern. And that has, I think, made them anti-technology. Yeah, yeah. I think they're anti-spending money more than anything. Maybe that also. Yeah, that also. Some of those. Yeah. Some of those excuses might be because they they're maybe trying to feel better about their decision not to buy it. I would. Want. Yeah. yeah. Everyone demotivated me. Uh, they talked about skin infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talked about something always inside my daughter's body. Uh, so no one encouraged me, encouraged me to be honest, other than the podcast. Oh, oh. So I just listened to podcast, and you know it was so funny, and it's really hilarious. So when you talked about, so I, I didn't know that there were multiple vendors in in the CGM market, mm-hmm. and I would always see that there is this. I mean, in India we are seeing this round. How come it's a different shape in US? And I would always see why are the type one. Uh, um, uh, wearing something which is of a different shape. Then I realized that that was Dexcom, yeah. uh, which is a different shape. And we have a freestyle Libre. So not just that. So we had, so we started using freestyle Libre and that was a game changer for us. I bet. Altogether a game changer. Yeah. Pretty soon the Dexcom 7 will be out and it, it's going to have a, a much different shape. Uh, it'll be flatter and, and sort of round like, I forget if it's maybe like the size of a quarter or something uh, much smaller. So the the next version is going to look different again. That's really astonishing. You guys can't get Dexcom in India, right? We can't get Dexcom. Even even we do not have the advanced versions of Freestyle. So what happened recently, I ordered a device called Meow Meow, which can be attached to Freestyle Libre okay. to make it a glucose information transmitter. Oh, wow. Is it like a third-party thing? It's not from the It's company. a third-party thing, yeah. and it is around 200 USD. I had to get it imported from Europe, and there was an equivalent import duty cost. And that's another problem with all these devices is there is no subsidy from the government. Nothing is manufactured in India. And we have to um, pay for all of this in in the full price of what it is manufactured and sold in other developed countries. And then on the phone, I guided and trained my father how to activate it. And then we attached it because right now, when so now my daughter, she has become a bit independent. She takes her small bag with all her supplies, her glucose tablets, her reader, a mobile phone while she's playing in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So my parents, they had to go all the time. They used, they used to feel so anxious. And now they just call her and she's trained enough. She knows that if she's this slow, she will eat, she will have one tablet. If she's this slow, she has to come home. So she's very smart that way. But now with this device at home, itself they will come to know what is she going through and how are her sugar yeah, levels that's amazing good for her that's really great and and your parents need a some sort of a break they can't be 
especially when you're older, you can't be that nervous and anxious constantly. It's just not good. Obviously, I'm, yeah. I'm, I can't, I mean, I, I just cannot imagine what they had been going through. And they're, they're still, because still she's on MDI. So the idea was the second level of upgrade was to switch her to insulin pump. So the only insulin pump which we have in India is Medtronic's, mm -hmm. and that is close to 5,000 USD, which is equivalent to a, a car cost in India. Wow. Um, and uh, because of the pandemic, because we need special training for all of that, we couldn't get it immediately. And so that's my plan, that once I'm there, I'll switch her to pump. And I think that will make our lives even more easier from what I hear from the podcast, especially if you have a growing child with growing needs. Yeah. How um, how much of your willingness to take risks like this are, be, do you think, because you travel to North America, do other people not get out of India as frequently mm -hmm. as you do? Like yeah. So my job in terms of traveling and consulting is a bit different. So uh, first of all, I'm a single parent, mm -hmm. uh, so my situation is a bit different. I live with my parents. Um, maybe uh, if there there is a couple, one person is not traveling that much than the other person. Um, and I, it was not just North America. I used to travel globally. Okay. And my child was totally healthy. We had everything sorted out. Her school was nearby. There was never a problem as such. It's this whole this whole pandemic situation with her getting, getting diagnosed, we have to, I have to reset everything and reset my priorities and what I really have to do and how I should be doing. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still thinking and contemplating on, on how to make it work. That's really impressive. Uh, a lot of people uh, get faced with the same thing you have and it's hard for them to, to you know, re re order their priorities and make decisions. I just did the online just to have like some concept of the money you were talking about a second ago. And you said that a, a pump is equivalent to a car cost. And you said, uh, you know, 5,000 us dollars, it's 376,000 Indian rupees. That's yeah. So we call it three lakhs, okay. 70,000. So it's that much, yes, in Indian rupees. And that's the cost of pump plus the recurring cost of the patches. So only very rich and elite people, they use a pump in India. Yeah. Are cars, in freak, are cars not something everyone has as, as well? No, everyone doesn't have a car. Gotcha. No. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. I. It's just very interesting to hear the same story from a different location. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, because your story is the same as everyone else's about, the, yeah. about being diagnosed and the fear and concern and the learning curve and all that stuff. But then you add these different impactors and it just seems so much more. Yeah. Dire. I mean, it, it, it just makes it worse, you know? So it was not just, so, so our journey was, so every type one family, they have a type one story and a type one journey which I think just carries on, right? Yeah. Um, but it was for us, it was not just mentally accepting it. It was about dealing with all this and we are still doing that. So for example, the majority of schools do not have a medical room. They do not have a nurse. The moment they'll come to know that the child is a type one, they won't admit your child 
or they would make you sign an undertaking if something happens to the child it's not their responsibility mm-hmm. uh people don't know about type 1 so they often ask or in publicly uh, I- I- even the teachers they are not trained and they would say why you didn't do exercise properly why did you do eat so much of sweet uh that is why you got um type 1 and then uh, the 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 diabetic the diabetics the diabetes educators i don't know somehow uh, the doctors do not like to work with them so there was so when we got discharged if the doctor didn't had time they could have easily recommended us like there were these ngos who offer education and connect us to someone they don't do that so these ngos they work undercover they do not work publicly mm-hmm. you know uh, so that the doctors uh, they do not boycott them altogether and then we have these insurance companies which are not covering us then we have government applying a lot of import tax on all of this nothing locally manufactured i mean i can even tell you like fiasp it's an international insulin and we are paying a lot for that and that's why people they don't give full quantity of insulin as well mm. those who cannot afford that yeah. much of money so there are a lot more struggles than just me thinking about how best i can manage noor there are a lot more things which we have to constantly think and struggle and that makes it really worse of course Do you have interest in you may have absolutely none but do you ever consider leaving India moving your family? Then would your job allow that or is your job based in India? Okay so um <clears throat> I have been traveling so before that I was so when Noor was a baby I was in UK with Noor. Mm-hmm. Um and since I was single and I it, it required travel I just thought it was intentional for me to be with my parents. Yeah yeah. uh and be there and things were really good because if you have some help from your own people i have my sister and brother in law by the way also in india who are married and they they all they are within india but not in locally to us in india mm-hmm. so they are also of good extreme help when we want so i had a better support system and that is why i did made all of that decision now like i said that first of all i was not prepared for this pandemic second i was not prepared for noose condition yeah now i have to reset everything i have to consider a lot of things um and what i i feel is let me not make a decision in hurry immediately just because the situation is not as it was supposed to be and maybe it will get or better right. but when i come to these countries and i see insurance is fully covering everything to be honest now that she is <clears throat> a type 1 i feel living as a single parent with daughter in such countries will be much better wow yeah no i i i imagine you might be thinking about that and to be honest i i i know it's a hopeful idea that you could go find a better situation but i also find it sad that you'd have to leave your home and your family just because yeah these yeah. <laughs> things are available in other places that's um exactly yeah. so it's about what to choose shall i choose a better environment where noor is always busy uh, with her loved ones or shall i choose somewhere where i'm not taking 
uh, where I'm not worrying about the expenses or any other thing, but then she doesn't have all of them. So yeah, yeah, her family. what is better for her and me? That is something which I have to decide. No, no, it, it's a, it would be a big decision either way. Um, yeah. I, I was uh, researching a little bit before you came on and about the prevalence of type two diabetes in India. When you mentioned that your mom had it, um, it's much more common in urban populations than it is in, in Indian rural populations. But how is it managed? Because if there's such a misunderstanding of type one, um, yeah. the way you described, I, I wonder, yeah. I wonder how they, like, how is your mother managing? What do they tell her to do? Yeah. So luckily her is not really bad. Hers, so she just takes one pill every day mm-hmm. and she's way under control okay. so uh yeah in india these days older people getting type type 2 is very common within mm-hmm. the urban population primarily because of high stress levels um and she walks regularly and it's very easy you know how easy it's to uh, manage type 2 but they often confuse type 1 also with type 2 Really? Uh, that's that's the thing so for my for my mother managing is really easy because it's not really bad we diagnosed it quite early and with lifestyle changes it's all under control gotcha um, yeah I mean, it, it, it was it was only during when she was in icu with no and they were going through all this stress it became worse gotcha. and and during covid also when she had covid her sugar levels were really high yeah that's it. So she hasn't changed her. There's no real way for her to change her diet. Your mother. Is that right? So uh, just to let you know that if the basic Indian diet is very healthy, mm-hmm. um, if you eat it balanced, so there is a bowl of lentil curry, which is protein. Mm-hmm. Then we have mix of vegetables that makes half of your plate. Then we have yogurt. Then we have a lot of salad. And then the main content would be roti, which is like pure carbs. And if you just eat like one or two, it's so the Indian meal is very healthy. And it is so if we, it's all about portion control. And so we don't make any diet changes for sure. Okay. It's uh, uh, And we manage it with that because we were anyways not into heavy eating, eating fried food. That is not regular Indian meal. So my parents used to always eat very healthy, freshly cooked meal, and so did Noor all the time. Gotcha. Well, that's excellent. Oh, good. That's I, I, I'm enjoying learning about this. Uh, my <laughs> my only understanding of India is through my do- my my do- my daughter's friend who just comes home once a year, and she says, uh, "Mr. Benner, I shit in a hole this week," and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much my whole my whole. She she always talks about going home to her her grandparents. And she's, okay. and she's like, I had to go to the bathroom in a hole. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay. And so I have no, like, I can't picture your living condition. I can't picture your cities, like, in my mind. Kelly, my wife, has been once uh, to okay. India for work. But, like, I just don't, I don't have enough of a, and I imagine a lot of people listening don't have a lot of context for it as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, no, Abu is pretty modernized. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of the lifestyle and the way we live. But when we have to deal generally beyond just the lifestyle and living, then there are a lot of gaps, which the ones which I highlighted to you. Yeah. And there's a, is there a fairly big disparity in education as well? Like, is it, is it a very have and have not society 
Like, do you, are you either doing well or you're not? Is there no like middle class or is that not? No, actually in India, the majority is middle class class is the biggest. Okay. So they are the high tax paying class. So that is the biggest class in India. I see. I see. What, yeah. what kind of work is available for people? And, and there's no medical insurance available through jobs or through government. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, there is a basic medical insurance, but that's more for those who are poor. There is a public health system, but people end up going to private hospital more because the public health system is not very good. So they have uh, something in place, which is generally used by people who are poor because the facilities are not that great. I see. Okay, so the, so the government has something in place generally used yeah. by the poorer class and then people who can afford it go to private institutions and private hospitals, things like that. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you're always paying for your medications in cash. Always. Yeah. Always. It's so the medical insurance there only covers the hospitalization charge if it is more than 24 hours. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. That um, is what medical insurance means there. Yeah. And there's no private insurance like there's nothing that you could buy on top of all this to help you so all this medical insurance is a private medical insurance plus or a corporate medical insurance so it's not a government medical insurance i'm talking about okay so we have to take and i'm paying a premium for that and then if you need a so there is there are a few companies who have come with a type one in which they would only cover the hospitalization because the medical insurance they would wouldn't even cover hospitalization for pre-existing conditions if for for a type one patient, uh, but again they don't cover everything and everything is like a private everything is private insurance. Then uh, uh, there's government insurance is generally used for those who are poor. I see. What what, what do people people who can't afford insulin do they just do they just die? Like what is the what happens to them? Uh, sorry, sorry. What's the question? When, when when someone just can't afford insulin, what path is there for them to to help? Oh them? yeah, so um, yes, yeah, so they do insulin rationing. Uh, first of all, many of them don't even. So if you're talking about really poor people, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. I, so type one, I've more seen in urban population. I'm not really sure why is that. Um, so they will, so the moment it gets diagnosed, they do insulin rationing. So that, that means their lifespan reduces because their sugars are not well under control, but we do not have a lot of research and study on the lifespan of Indians with type one diabetes. We recently had a report published with a sample of 40 people. And I think those people managed it well. That is why they could live so long. Mm-hmm. We still do not have any data for those who cannot manage it well. All I know is they do insulin rationing. They rely on NGOs. They rely on public health system to get some subsidized insulin and things like that. So I, I really feel like doing something and working towards that, that at least every child now, we, since we started using CGM, I've, I started feeling it was so cruel of me poking and finger pricking Noor all the time. I used to feel so bad. Her, her fingers used to get swollen by the end of the day. Yeah. So many times we used to prick. And uh, I wish I can provide a CGM for 
any child who is diagnosed i know as we grow big we have a better control and we can manage even with the pricking and mdis i know jenny does an mdi herself so as we grow we have a better control but for kids it is really and and the parents not having a cgm is is like you know walking in a dark room and yeah. having no idea what's going on i understand what you're saying wow that's uh it's a powerful feeling to know know how hard it is and then be helped by it and then look over and see all those other people who don't have that stuff it's uh i know how overwhelming that can feel do you, you feel lucky do you feel guilty at all i feel lucky first of all it's just not that i could afford it i could take a chance because everyone was saying this technology is really bad yeah. so um i'm i'm really lucky that i could do it i'm really lucky i can afford it but at the same time i sort of feel it is my responsibility to educate people more about cgm in india which i do a lot mm -hmm. but i really wish if i can sponsor it as well yeah. for especially very young kids under 5 who get diagnosed it's it's really it's it's really very harsh yeah how is nor doing does she know anybody who has type 1 or is she the only one oh so she didn't know anyone when she was type 1 so what happened was nor you know these young kids they are so resilient so brave um so when she was taken to the ICU, she was packing all her soft toys. So it was like a holiday in the middle of pandemic for her. She had no idea what was going on. Right. Um, I couldn't, I was here, I was really scared on how should I even face her. She's in ICU. She, there must be so many things attached to her. And when I called her, she was eating her meal because she was always very hungry and she was saying, you know, mom, this meal is just like a restaurant. It's so tasty. I love this place. And you don't worry. You don't have to come all the way. I'm really fine. You don't have to come. We are managing it well. And she would ask her grandparents to leave as well, that she would stay here by herself. So she has been really brave throughout. But what we realized is that this whole insulin and all that is a high profit making game for the medical companies pharma pharma companies out there so as soon as we got discharged we started my parents started receiving phones from all these agents who wanted to offer us fiasp and besaglar at different discount rates okay and these phones were continuous and then when we wanted to switch to mdi i don't know how the agents came to know so many came home um and they were like we don't have time i mean these people don't have empathy right they they are just sales people yeah so what they did by till that time noor was great what they did they literally pinned down noor to teach my parents how to give mdi they pinned her down so many people they held her she was screaming leave me leave me and they just did it and my parents were like what the hell is happening yeah and after that, she really went in trauma for a few days. Right. Um, she had not seen anyone with type 1. She had no idea why this was happening to her. But then, um, so every time we would give her MDI, my parents had to struggle. They had to hold her. Before that, she, were taking, she was taking like a proper injection all the time. And she was totally okay with that. And then we had to connect her to my mother's colleague's uh, son who would show, see, see, nothing is happening, but she wouldn't listen to anyone. Yeah. Um, and then, but 
so gradually she came out of the trauma it was very very difficult for all of us so uh, i was not there and i was requesting begging them to at least let me quarantine at home if you will see me i am there she'll start taking mdis uh, but they just wouldn't understand the authorities there so um i would uh, be on the video call and then i started looking for youtube videos and all that and when i reached there i started her showing that she is not alone there are people out there who have see such a small girl has got such a small girl then gradually yeah she was overall she was anyways very 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 brave with this whole situation just mm-hmm. barring that little trauma period and she in in between she used to ask that why i have type 1 why no one has type 1 and then one day i just i was checking few videos on ipad and i saw her recording her own video in which she's showing her cgm and she's saying i have a super power and this is my super power and um i am living on mdis and she just made a video of her own and i was so inspired wow. to see that That's amazing that's really <laughs> wonderful she's resilient is a is is not enough of a word for her Uh, <laughs> yeah I, i mean we have been very lucky with with her yeah, with managing all this hey the um between like the sales pressure and the being pinned down to get injections is a lack of compassion is that a cultural issue so i think there is a training issue um these salesmen are not trained to be compassionate they are they are not selling pens or you know any other electronic device they are selling which is a medical gadget something related to someone's condition they don't have empathy at all i think there is a huge training training issue training gap and then my mother complained about them to the area manager he really apologized for it afterwards but they there is a lot of pressure on these sales people to meet their targets i yeah, think yeah. so it's lack of training meeting targets and yes there is some cultural um cu- some culture as well because if you see police police here the government officials they are not they are also not trained enough to be well, compassionate towards people and, and even just general understanding because you know about a half an hour ago you said that even doctors said like what did you do to her like you gave her why did you give her so many sweets how did she get this like that that's a real misunderstanding of type 1 so no, not the doctors oh. uh the, the teachers and normal people and doctors definitely understand oh, okay. uh, uh but yeah but but uh, the the regular the, the teachers and and the normal people that's mm. a very common question yeah. for think, noor and she she knows how to answer that <laughs> good for her she's really really <laughs> something else and now she's just 7 years old still and, and only been at this for a year Yeah she has been 7 year old she has been out uh, and she is managing she uh, sometimes she's scared mama what will happen when the school will reopen mm-hmm. i don't know how to do all this then we tell her that don't worry we'll be there there with you yeah. um so she has something going at back of her mind uh, but now she is managing she knows what gives her the gives her spike so sometimes if she's eating something she would say are you sure we have bolus enough for this or shall i just stop eating now so she's like that and yeah she she's she's managing it really well and, at her level and thinking about it at a higher level too that's excellent how long has school been like she's are they, are they going to school remotely because of covid or yeah so her her school has been virtual since an year and that continues for now but 
if the situation improves uh they will start reopening it so we have no idea when they will open it so right now she's on virtual uh schooling uh, and by the way when she was in icu she used to attend all her, all her classes from there as well and she would educate everyone that i have been we had no idea that she was listening to all the conversation we never told her <laughs> and then she would say you know ma'am i'm in icu i've been detected with type 1 diabetes and then she would show ma'am i want to sh- uh, say something this is my cgm this is how it works she would keep everything with her just to educate everyone <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's really something. She's really special. I I, uh, I don't know. My kids were six years old. I don't think they could have done that. That's, that's really I think suddenly I don't feel, I don't know. Suddenly she has become so mature of her age. I mean, I can feel so much of difference. Yeah. She is understanding things on her own. She's no more that small baby, you know, before yeah. which, who, whom she was before. Just think that just playing, 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 not even eating properly. Right. Has she has her body responded to the insulin? She's not thin any longer. Yeah. So she's not how she was before. Yeah. Yeah. But that but she's overall she has been like uh, her her own. I mean, she's not a um, what you call it. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of fat. So she's quite athletic. Mm-hmm. But she's not skinny, skinny how she was before. How yeah. does how does how does management work for diabetes? Like here, once you have type one, you see an endocrinologist every three months. They start checking mm. things like celiac and thyroid yeah. issues, and is all that happening for her? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are doing that now. Since everything is private, you have to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. It is not mandated, but we do for Noor. Many parents don't do it. Uh, we are regularly doing it for Noor every three months. Yes. And again, that is like, that is expensive, but yeah. we are doing it. Do you know yeah. what her A1C is? So her recent A1C was 6.1. Wow. That's really great. It's amazing. Uh, is she, and she, that's a, a combination of her, your parents, Sometimes you do you help her when remotely with diabetes or do they handle it all locally? Like you're you're not home right now, for example. Yeah, to be honest, it's it's all my dad. He he's like he just makes sure she's not spiking or she's not going under all the time. I mean, it's teamwork with dad and me. But I I so whenever I I keep on researching a lot. I listen to this podcast and I do a lot of so whenever I learn something. I sort of educate them and then together we decide how we should be bolusing, like when, when they're eating something fried and how to bolus for fat as well, which is in food. So those things I keep on educating. And by the way, it has been one year and she's still honeymooning. Oh, still. Yeah. Yeah. What's, um, how much basal insulin does she get a day? So her basal insulin, I'm not sure, uh, uh, if if I'm measure, I'm telling it in the right unit, but she uses MDI, mm-hmm. so her basal unit is five unit. Five units a day. Yeah. 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 What does she weigh? Do you know? Sorry. How much does she weigh? Oh yeah, so she is twenty three kgs. I'm just doing my real quick. Uh, okay. In pounds, in pounds, translate. So about fifty pounds, twenty three kilograms. Okay, and she's using five a day. So hold on a second. So if she was on a pump, her basal rate might be around 0.2. Yeah, yeah, she's she's definitely honeymooning still, huh? 
exactly. Yeah, and uh, the bolus, the, the, the bolus which we give all, obviously depends on what she is eating. But for a normal diet, it's just two units of Fiasp. Okay, yeah, she's using a little bit still. That's uh, well, that's good. It's nice for her to get a chance to. And your father is your father ready for the idea that when the honeymoon ends, the amount of insulin will increase. <laughs> Yeah, we all know that. And yeah. sometimes maybe she has got some allergy or something and suddenly we have to give some more and we are like, oh my God, it seems like this is ending. Honeymoon is ending. Mm -hmm. uh, we all know that this is going to end someday, but we really want this to uh, continue and stretch for as much as it can. It's working out well for you right now for certain. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, any brothers or sisters for Noor? No, no. no she's, she's my only child. She's your only child. Okay. Wow. She's going to, well, you know what? She's probably super, um, uh, you know, responsible and, and mature because she's yeah. around older people most of the time, right? So she's. Yeah, yeah. I think so. <laughs> she's yeah. going to be like a little 70 year old lady. Uh <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she just talks like my mom and dad. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm living with three 70 year olds. That's, that's right. how it is when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, that's just very funny. Oh my gosh. So does she have, um, I mean, I guess she's so young really, but to talk about like, I, 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 oh my gosh, how much time has she actually spent? Let me reframe my question. How much time has she actually spent in school before COVID hit and knocked her out? She must not have even been there for very long. No. So she just finished her, I think preschool and she was about to go to the proper school. And since then we have COVID. Oh, she's never really gotten to do it at all then. No, no. Oh, I see. Oh, that's terrible. Do you think there's any sign that they're going back or right now they're not talking about it? So they have opened for senior classes. I personally feel is since till there is danger, there is no point in opening it for such young kids because they have not even started rolling vaccination to kids um, who are 11 and above. And even there's a vast population who are, who are still not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So I personally feel that making them vulnerable, especially with the strains which are impacting kids more now, yeah. uh, should not be done at all till, till this is gone. Uh, but then there is too much of pressure sometimes from, from the uh, parents also. But I, so what happened, I mean, there is, they're still anticipating strain three, especially after the festival time. So right now it's a festive season in India. Mm -hmm. um, and because people get together a lot during this time, and then there will be winters kicking in, they do anticipate More. Uh, a, a strain three. So at least not this year. But yeah, let us see. I really, I, I'm not very comfortable sending her till till we have this uh, thing in place, like getting really worse. And if majority of people are not vaccinated. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, and I'm assuming too, this causes a pretty big issue for childcare in general, because their parents were expecting their children to be at school and now they're home. Yeah, I think that is the major uh, problem and why they are pushing across countries, not just in India to reopen the schools and send them yeah. uh, especially as a childcare problem but but yeah i think it, it's so maybe now i'm a parent of type one so I, I tell to everyone i would have never known that this world existed till noor got diagnosed right. and this has opened a different world i've changed as a person i think differently 
so for me no going to school and being exposed to covid or that probability does not make me comfortable yeah well arden has a cold right now it's not covid and i've been fighting with her blood sugar for two weeks so it's not, oh, not a lot of how old is she now she's 17 Oh wow, yeah. wow! You, I don't know. I, I've I've never met her, but it feels like I know her forever. <laughs> so I I introduced Scott and Arden to Noor and my parents, and they were so happy to know that that there is a father who has dedicated everything just to look after her child. Oh. I mean, his child, and my my father was so inspired, and I think he's just trying to do that. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. I, that means so much to me. I, I don't, I, you're making me feel like squishy inside. <laughs> um, oh, no, I was like, that. No, you it, can, if you can do that much just to take care of that child, I can, I can at least put her, put her on a CGM. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys are doing a really fantastic job. I mean, honestly, that's, uh, I don't, I can't see what else you could be doing right now. You know, you you just seem like you're doing everything you could be. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 so when she got 6.1, my father was happy. Then I told, you know, dad, those people who are on pumps here, they get just a normal A1Cs, which is in fives, like 5.2, 5.3. And he was like, really? That means I need to work harder. I, I didn't work hard enough. <laughs> You're giving your dad a job in his, in his later years. <laughs> no, we, we actually tried to figure this whole maths of Indian food, the bowlers, how to make it work with MDI. And the nose craving every weekend, craving for something really homemade but sweet. Yeah, that's really great. And you're in the you're in the private Facebook group for the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. In, do you find that helpful? Yes. Yes. So, uh, all the, this these groups when parents discuss their issues, and then in the comments, actually, even the comments are very helpful on how different people are managing it. Those are really helpful. Good. Good. I'm glad. That's excellent. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this with me. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to? Oh, gosh. Uh, there are so many things <laughs> which are never ending with uh, such uh, situations, such a diagnose. But uh, I think we have covered. So I, I really wanted to highlight how things are in countries like India. So it's not just accepting your child has this condition you have to fight socially culturally uh, monetarily there are many aspects to it um and i think which everyone deserves to know i one thing which i just fail to understand scott is we all have been advocating insulin for all and countries like us all those who are very high on human rights who talk a lot about human rights Despite knowing all this, how can everyone be so blindfolded and not make a difference? I mean, I just fail to understand that. You, you, so why is it not uh, something that people fight about more, the price of insulin? No, why is it not? Why the price of insulin is still so expensive and why it is not like a regular basic drug available globally worldwide? Right. Now, I, I'm actually, um, I just scheduled uh, an interview with a gentleman who's trying to bring a law a federal law to to vote uh, about that exact same thing. And I haven't spoken to him yet. I think he's going to be on in about two weeks. So I'm, I'm hoping to find out what he's doing. It is really something I think what happens is, is that for a lot of people they have in America, they have private health care insurance. And so 
the price of insulin to them isn't very great. And so there's, so you have this big path of people, this big swath of people who aren't impacted by the price of insulin. And therefore it's not a fight that they, I assume that they feel needs to be fought and they don't see how it impacts the people who don't have that insurance. I guess. But, but my, but, but my thought is why to even fight for it? This is a hormone which is generated inside the body which is available outside, why don't, why doesn't who, um, WHO and all these work with these pharmacies, we know these are the pharma companies and the insurance companies, just in few highly developed countries doing it, we know how to solve it, you know, uh, just let it locally manufacture everywhere, why to still make it like a high profit margin when we have other drugs, which we can do that? I mean, I still don't understand. Why do we need to fight for it? That's the thing I just don't understand. No, I agree. That's a, would seem like an obvious statement. I mean, yeah, it seems like obvious. Yeah. yeah, But you asked it and answered it in the same plot is people are making money off it. And it's easy to say the pharma companies are making money off it, but there's also, in America, pharma, uh, pharmacy benefit managers, which are basically like middlemen um, that make money. I mean, you're talking to you have salespeople who are trying to push it over there because they, you know, that person gets a little piece of that money and the company gets a little piece. Everybody's getting a, you know, everybody has their hand in the in the pot, taking some out. And you, you yeah. are you are going to have to get to a point where, like you said, like some larger entity steps in and does something but i think these insulins are also covered by you know patents you can't just start making it on your own you'd have to i know that's yeah. that's the thing so like in canada it's patent free right um they I, I mean if canada can do it why can't other countries do it it's just few countries who are impacting this across the world people are dying because of this mm-hmm. and we know the cause like you mentioned all that yeah. We know everything. I mean, why not make it obvious and you would think, why to even fight for it and just do it? And you would think too, even like specifically in India, there must be pharmaceutical companies there that could take this up. And I guess it's it's about, I guess they'd have to be subsidized by the government. Like some people aren't going to just start making a thing if they're not going to get paid for it. So somebody has to step in and say, look, we'll pay for it and then we'll give it to people cheaper. Like the, the government would need to do that. Yeah, they'll have to wave off tech, taxes, a middleman for sure. I think it, it needs to be a coordinated effort. Yeah. But at, at the first stance, maybe the, the countries who are manufacturing this in bulk across of and, and charging a very high patent for that, I think once we start from there, it, it will come down. Yeah. That That's what I feel. You're going to have to find there's going to have to be an entity that's large enough and strong enough and influential enough that has the nerve to just step forward and say, we're going to fight for this now. And, um, and hopefully that could happen, but it does, it does seem like, a it does seem like something that is more of a dream than a reality, but you know, yeah. I mean, for, for me in, in a country like India, educating on CGMs where people cannot even afford insulin. So my first step is to make sure a good insulin like FIASP is available at least, um, and they're using it in, in the right portion. They're dosing it right yeah. to begin with, even before touching the CGM. Right. I agree. Well, I, Preet, I really appreciate you doing this very much. This was a, a, a wonderful way to spend this hour. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Scott. And keep on inspiring. Say my hi to Arden. Oh, I thank you. And, and, and please tell Nora that the guy on the podcast said hello. <laughs> 
Oh, she will be so happy. Just say hi to Noor. I'll make her listen. Oh, that's excellent. I, I'm, I'm, I want to say hi to your father and mother too. Like, I think what they're doing is really astonishingly uh, brave, uh, especially if they are really good. I think I, what I was thinking was that, you know, if, if ever you want to interview a senior primary carer who is above 60s, he, he can be the one. He would know, huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Scott. Have a nice day. Bye. A huge thanks to Preet for coming on the show and sharing her story. I also want to thank Touched by Type 1 and remind you to go to touchedbytype1.org and to find them on Instagram and Facebook. Also, find my private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. Don't forget the Diabetes Pro Tip episodes are available at episode 220 where they begin or at diabetesprotip.com and juiceboxpodcast.com. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Take the survey, support the sponsors, support the show. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.